Welcome to episode 173 of the Truth Quest podcast, the truth about October 2021, the month that became undeniable that the National Democrats want to destroy the country. Before we get started, I want to ask you to do me a favor and share the show. If you're on social media and topics such as the January 6th incident at the Capitol, the supremacy of federal law, the supply chain disruptions, ivermectin, or tyranny comes up, please share the topic-specific TruthQuest episode with your debate partner. Episodes are available on a host of platforms including iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, Podbean, BitChute, Brighteon, Rumble, and Instagram, where I post a short highlight of each show at instagram.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. Whatever platform you may be listening to this on, please take a moment and give it a five-star rating, hit the like button, or leave a positive review. Another way you can help grow the show is to throw a small donation my way at the TruthQuest podcast patronage page. All donations will be used to drive awareness of the podcast through online advertising. See this episode's show notes page at truthquest.podbean.com for details. And finally, please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. The month started out with the nation's Attorney General Merrick Garland, or as Dan Bongino is fond of calling him, Angino, Attorney General in name only, with him invoking the Patriot Act on parents who display dissent or displeasure at local school board meetings. You may logically wonder, why would the AG of the entire country give two shits about what is going on in Huntington, West Virginia at a school board meeting? And you would be correct in your wonderment, but you would also miss the bigger picture that, according to the National Democrats, these parents are the equivalent of domestic terrorists. Why, you ask, would the U.S. Attorney General take such a bizarre stance? We'll see a high-powered interest group, the National School Boards Association, sent a letter to the Justice Department because parents were showing up at school board meetings all around the country expressing displeasure with the way their children are being educated, of course paid for by their tax dollars. I can only speculate about what was said behind closed doors at the Pointless National School Boards Association. They saw what was happening across the country as parents started voicing their opinions about what and how their children were being taught. The NSBA, not used to being challenged or held accountable for anything, felt like they needed to spring into action to protect all of their inept and or corrupt school board members all across the fruited plains. So they send a letter to a friendly, prominent Democrat who they know will be more than willing to use his monopoly power of force because he's an empty shell of a man. Next thing you know, Garland issues a guideline or a letter or whatever the other bullshit federal document you want to call it, threatening any parent who expresses discontent with their school board may be considered a domestic terrorist and therefore subject to Patriot Act-like scrutiny. Thankfully, Garland testified before a congressional committee during the month, and what can I say? He looked like an absolute buffoon. When asked about the reason for his declaration in the letter, he admitted that he was unaware of a particular incident that prompted some serious and aggressive reactions from one father in particular at a local school board meeting in Loudoun County, Virginia. Come to find out, the father's ninth grade daughter was raped in the girl's bathroom by a male student wearing a skirt i.e. he identifies as a female while using his male genitalia to rape a real female. The school board covered up the incident, and when the father found out, he went ballistic. 
So there's that, and there is the general outrage over critical race theory being taught in schools, where instead of being taught to love one another, the children are taught to look at the pigment level of everyone they come into contact with. Anyway, come to find out, Garland's son-in-law sells CRT-related textbooks. When cornered during his congressional testimony and asked if he would submit his potential conflict of interest for an ethics investigation, he refused to answer the question. Unfortunately, what the congressional questioner forgot is the dual justice system in America, one for prominent Democrats and one for everyone else. Garland is, of course, in the former, not the latter. And since the National Republicans have been neutered, i.e. they have no balls, the Democrats just move on from scandal to scandal with no ramifications. Then, the National School Boards Association subsequently issued an apology for the letter after public outrage became unbearable. They said, quote, There is no justification for some of the language included in the letter. You know, the part where they want descending parents arrested. They claim in the apology that they value voices of parents. Wink, wink, nod, nod. They don't give two shits about our kids. If they did, they would make sure that they were grade-level proficient and stop filling their heads with a bunch of age-inappropriate sexual and racial bullshit. While we were on the topic of the DOJ, in a separate hearing, some bigwig at the FBI testified that the agency does not track Antifa. Nate, can you believe that shit? Even a part-time podcaster like me can assemble an episode on this real group of terrorists. Check out episode 141 if you're interested. So the DOJ, they don't track Antifa, but they do keep track of dissenting parents at school board meetings. And lest I forget, the, the January 6th trespassers certainly get the attention of the DOJ. That was the subject of the last episode, episode 172, if you're interested. Turns out, the suicide bomber at the Kabul airport that killed 13 Marines and 169 Afghanis, injuring hundreds more, was released from a U.S. prison at Bagram Air Base when Biden insisted that the U.S. military abandon the base. I bet you didn't hear that on the ABC Nightly News, did you? The dual justice system reared its head again last month as former FBI Director Andrew I Got Caught and Fired for Lying under Oath to Protect Hillary McCabe got back pay, attorney's fees, and got his pension back in a settlement with the DOJ. Kamala Harris's handlers hired child actors to sit and talk to her about exploring space. This woman, Willie Brown's former eye candy, is so stiff, unauthentic, and disconnected that they cannot risk her interacting with random children. Early in the month, the head of the U.S. National Institutes of Health, the infamous NIH, stepped down as he saw the writing on the wall regarding his agency's funding of -of gain-of-function research in China. Then, two weeks later, the agency admitted that they had indeed funded gain-of-function research. Fauci and others are on record multiple times denying this fact. He and Senator Rand Paul have been verbally jousting for months. The admission by the agency makes Fauci a perjurer. When the history books in the future are written, Fauci will go down as a mass murderer. I assume any day now the social media platforms will remove strikes against the accounts that pointed out this fact, the gain-of-function research funding, and reinstall accounts that were closed or demonetized and issue a public apology for their faulty censorship. During the month, we were treated to a staggering yet puzzling statistic. The number of deaths in the first nine months of this year from COVID 
exceeds the total number of deaths in 2020 for the whole year. What is going on here? How can the deaths during the pre-vaccine, pre-widespread knowledge of cheap and effective therapeutics period of time exceed those today when a majority of Americans are vaccinated? Maybe because the vaccinated are just as likely to spread the virus as the unvaccinated, and they appear to be less protected from the Delta variant. We have been treated to lots of evidence in that regard over the last few months. Here is a sample of some of the headlines. Emerging data suggests that Delta could spread more readily than other coronavirus variants among people vaccinated against COVID-19. That was in the website Nature. NPR reported this headline, Vaccinated people with breakthrough infections can spread the Delta variant, CDC says. Here's another one. University of California study finds similarities in COVID viral loads between vaccinated and unvaccinated people. This was reported on KTXL's website. Here's another one. CDC study says COVID-19 can spread in unvaccinated. This was reported in the Associated Press. The cherry on top was a year-long study from the Imperial College of London published in The Lancet, which apparently is the shit when it comes to mainstream medical research, kind of like what I thought the New England Journal of Medicine was. Anyways, this study found that the Delta variant is still highly transmittable within the vaccinated population. Then we saw reports out of the UK indicating more infections of COVID among the vaccinated than the unvaxxed. And we saw COVID-19 cases and hospitalizations plummet in the southern United States, yet rise in the northern states. You know why? Because people go outside in the south as it starts to cool down, and they go inside in the north for the same reason. And when you congregate inside, you can spread germs more easily. By far the biggest story of the month was vaccine mandates. Senator Ron Johnson summed up the, the opinion of the sane, the critical thinking, the logical, and the freedom lovers among us when he said, quote, the mandates are pointless now that we know that fully vaccinated individuals are getting infected and they can transmit the disease. Unfortunately, they are being hospitalized. They're getting seriously ill. They're dying. There's no point to the mandate whatsoever, end quote. Here is a sample of some headlines about the vaccine mandates from the month. I just kept collecting them. They tell you the story. Judge orders United Airlines not to put workers seeking vaccine mandate exceptions on leave. California In-N-Out Burger shut down for refusing to check customers' vaccination status. Judge temporarily blocks vaccine mandate requirement for California prison workers. Hundreds of thousands of U.S. troops still unvaccinated as deadline looms. San Francisco puts more than 180 unvaccinated first responders on leave amid rising crime. Pentagon faces class action lawsuit over vaccine mandates on military, federal employees, and contractors. A federal judge ruled that New York must continue to allow healthcare workers to seek exemptions from a statewide COVID-19 vaccine mandate on religious grounds as a lawsuit challenging the requirement proceeds. Southwest Airlines asked court to reject effort to block COVID-19 vaccine mandate, then Southwest backed down. 1900 Washington state employees quit or were fired over mandates. Judge blocks Biden admin from firing unvaccinated employees with pending religious exemptions. Over 11,000 active duty Air Force personnel unvaccinated with days left before the deadline. Unvaxed Navy SEALs threatened with repayment of training costs. The Marine Corps warns Marines will be kicked out for refusing COVID-19 vaccine. 
America Airlines cancels over 1,500 flights between October 29th and October 31st, blaming staff shortages and inclement weather. Hint, hint, it wasn't the weather. 19 states sue Biden administration over COVID-19 vaccine mandates for federal workers and contractors. New York City restauranteurs, business down 40 to 60% due to vaccine mandates. Seattle police may fire devastating number of officers over vaccination mandate, union officials says. The New Mexico lab that produced the world's first nuclear bomb, Los Alamos, has lost 185 employees because of the COVID-19 vaccine mandates that took effect on October 22nd. Indiana recruits Chicago cops fired over vaccine mandate. Florida recruits cops from anywhere fired over mandates. 40% of California state workers are unvaxxed. Ditto for TSA workers. During another botched CNN town hall that we'll discuss shortly, Biden said police and first responders should be fired if they refuse the jab. All of this led me to pose this question on Facebook. Why do the protected need to be protected from the unprotected by forcing the unprotected to use the protection that did not protect the protected in the first place? And this, is it more important to have vaccinated cops, pilots, housekeepers, data analysts, nurses, middle managers, sanitation workers, bartenders, teachers, Navy SEALs, warehouse workers, waiters, and doctors? Or... Cops, pilots, housekeepers, data analysts, nurses, middle managers, sanitation workers, bartenders, teachers, Navy SEALs, warehouse workers, waiters, and doctors doing their job. Reports came in from across the U.S. about discrimination against the unvaxxed and hospitalized COVID-positive patients. Attorneys, medical doctors, and family members of COVID-19 victims have described horrific hospital violations of human rights, including the denial of intravenous fluids to patients, denial of access to patients by families, attorneys, and others, and the imposition of redesivir on patients despite risks of kidney and liver damage from that drug, and the availability of much safer alternatives such as ivermectin. Oh, you can't get ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine once you are hospitalized. If you know someone who is symptomatic, do not let them go to the hospital. They do not treat COVID. They treat you for pneumonia. Get your friend some ivermectin or a monoclonal antibody treatment along with high doses of C and D and zinc. Find a telemed doctor to treat you because most likely your doctor will not help you beat COVID. Vaccine boosters are now available. Pfizer is already being offered. And during the month, Johnson & Johnson and Moderna's boosters were greenlighted by the FDA. So much for the claim that it's effective, huh? Remember, they told us the vaccine is safe and effective. Safe and effective. They said it on a loop. Repeat a lie long enough and have the alphabet soup conspiracy media parrot it for you and voila, a lie becomes truth. It is safe only if you ignore all the deaths caused by it and all the adverse effects. It's only effective if the definition of effective is it does not produce immunity, only some level of protection against the original variant, but the protection wanes over time. If that's your definition of effective, then yes, I guess it is. The New York Times corrected an article which stated nearly 900,000 children had been hospitalized with COVID in the U.S. when the actual number was like 63,000. An op-ed in the Times several days later correctly cited data showing an unvaccinated child has less risk of being hospitalized with the virus than a fully vaccinated 70-year-old. 
Unfortunately, the follow the science crowd, who just so happen to be the totalitarians that are currently in power, are ignoring that fact, that science, as they push for your child to become the next subject of the great COVID-19 vaccine trial of 2021. The FDA has approved the experimental COVID-19 vaccine for children. No longitudinal studies, very little coverage of the adverse effects. It's one thing for adults, especially the elderly, to take the experimental drug, but to put this shit in a child's body with nothing to go on but the word of a corrupt liar like Fauci and Big Pharma, who the left used to ruthlessly ridicule, and on the word of dishonest federal health agencies and a half-brain-dead president, is the epitome of evil, pure and simple. Among all of this COVID news, deaths and adverse effects from the virus continue to mount, but our overlords on social media censor it if you talk about it. Infections, hospitalizations, and deaths linked to COVID-19 have risen in recent months among people who have gotten a COVID-19 vaccine. As I mentioned earlier, infections, hospitalization, and deaths linked to COVID-19 have risen in recent months among people who have gotten the vaccine. But they always point out the bulk of the cases and hospitalizations and deaths occur among the unvaccinated. I'm of the opinion that that last sentence would be a moot point if it was widely known that cheap and effective therapeutics like ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, and monoclonal antibodies are available, but they must be taken as soon as you get symptoms. You have to be very purposeful in your quest for truth these days, especially about COVID. You have to avoid YouTube. Go to Rumble or BitChute or Brighteon. You have to avoid the cesspool known as Twitter. Go to Gab or Getter or even Parler. And as for Facebook, it's fine for staying in touch with friends and family, but if you post too much about the vaccine or election integrity or, or Hunter Biden's laptop, you will find your distribution dialed back and your posts will have that obscure fact-checking tag placed on them. Joe Rogan, who famously recovered from COVID last month by taking ivermectin, monoclonal antibodies, and a couple other treatments, had CNN doctor dude Sanjay Gupta on his podcast. Gupta was there to promote his book. Rogan would have none of that as he verbally pinned Gupta to the floor, asking him why his network continually lied about Rogan's treatment. You know the old ivermectin is horse dewormer bit? It was a very enjoyable smackdown of an alphabet soup conspiracy media figurehead. Look it up on Rumble if you have not seen it. It's glorious. Former Secretary of State Colin Powell died during the month due to complications from COVID-19. He was over 80 years old and had some other rather serious health issues. The mainstream media gushed over him after his death, just like they did when he threatened to run for president as a Democrat, all of that after they spent years trashing him over the Iraq war. It must be good to be an unprincipled Democrat. You can criticize and then worship without a thought. Oh, I should probably add that Powell was fully vaccinated. Speaking of fully vaccinated, White House Press Secretary Jen Circleback Saki, fully vaccinated, came down with COVID. Aren't you glad that they're going to be imposing these vaccine mandates and ignoring the vaccinated? The one missing piece among the entire COVID narrative is the role of natural immunity. Some studies demonstrate that it is superior to the immunity conferred by the vaccine. But none of the totalitarians currently running the country ever want to talk about that because they just want you to comply with their order to get the jab. Non-compliance just pisses them off. 
when you get the vaccine, it's just one antibody against one specific part of the virus. When you actually contract the virus, you start producing antibodies against multiple pieces of the virus, making your immunity more robust. According to a peer-reviewed study accepted by the European Journal of Immunology, antibodies persist for more than a year after COVID-19 infection. During the month, Merck and its partners announced that they filed an emergency use authorization application with the FDA for their oral antiviral medicine for the treatment of COVID-19. So let me get this straight. Merck and Pfizer, as I reported in a previous episode, have developed therapeutics to fight COVID, yet we're not allowed to talk about and recommend current safe, effective, and inexpensive alternatives like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. Try to convince me that the Biden administration and Anthony Fauci are not responsible for allowing people to die from COVID by purposely covering up these known remedies. Please, I'm begging someone to step up and explain why ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine were trashed and when not trashed, purposely omitted from the conversation. Switching gears, when it comes to the economy, all Biden and the National Democrats had to do was nothing, and the economy was set to roar coming out of the COVID coma. But the totalitarians got a taste of power, and as always happens, they started to get drunk on that power, and their binge continues. Don't look now, but inflation is at a 13-year high. A study by Moody's came out during the month indicating that the average American household is spending $175 more a month because of the rising prices. Who do you think gets hurt the worst when prices rise? It ain't the rich. But don't you worry because our idiot overlords like Fed Chairman Jerome Powell and the walking, talking example of the incestuous nature of D.C., Treasury Secretary Janet, I used to have Jerome Powell's job yelling, they tell us that inflation is transitory. Well, until last month, when they both unsurprisingly backed off that lie, even White House economic advisor Jared Bernstein has confirmed the non-transitory nature of inflation, saying it is likely to stay elevated longer than previously expected. Well, no shit, Sherlock. See, when you print trillions of dollars and throw them into the economy, prices always increase. Here's a few examples of year-over-year increases in prices. Gas, 42%. Meat, poultry, fish, 11%. Propane, kerosene, firewood, 27%. Electricity, 5%. Peanut butter, 6%. Coffee, 4%. Bacon, 19%. Furniture, 11%. Used cars and trucks, 24%. Rental cars, 43%. Postage and delivery services, 3%. Restaurant prices, 5%. Appliances, 7%. Speaking of inflation, the National Democrats continue to accelerate the bankruptcy of the United States by pushing multi-trillion dollar spending bills. Still looks like West Virginia Democrat Senator Joe Manchin is the only thing standing in the way of that inevitable outcome as he refuses to go along with these lunatics that currently hold power and want to destroy the country. Oh, the best part is Biden and the Democrats keep saying that these multi-trillion dollar bills actually cost zero. Biden has said it over and over again. Saki has said it. It has been parroted by dozens of alphabet soup conspiracy media outlets. 
Democrat math is worse than Common Core math. Three trillion equals zero. What a farce. While we're on the subject of destroying the country, Biden and the National Democrats have successively stifled an economy that, as I already mentioned, if they simply did nothing, was set to roar at 6-7%. to Instead, we find ourselves in the middle of stagflation, which is inflation and slow economic growth. Third quarter GDP came out at a dismal 2%. It was 6.7% in the second quarter. The alphabet soup conspiracy media blamed it on COVID's resurgent over the summer. But a strange thing is showing up in the numbers. Red states are thriving. Blue states are getting killed. Why, you ask? Because the blue states believe in and enforce shutdowns, pay people not to work, and impose vaccine mandates. And the red ones do none of the above. During the month, we got a report that U.S. employers added fewer than 200,000 jobs in September sharply undershooting market expectations of half a million, further painting the picture of a shitty labor market and economy as a whole. There are 10 million open jobs in America. One of the big stories over the last 45 days has been the supply chain disruption. I produced an entire episode on that topic, episode 170. I encourage you to listen to it if you're interested. Suffice it to say, the container ship sitting off the coast of California, where 40% of the nation's imports come through, is a man-made problem. Politicians have purposely handcuffed the trucking industry. Speaking of supply chain disruptions, a transportation-related problem, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg went on paternity leave while the problem was brewing. He was spending time with his husband and his two adopted babies, in the middle of a major supply chain disruption, proving that the Department of Transportation is impotent and worthless and should be abolished. And by the way, it's unconstitutional. In addition to trying to destroy the economy, the Biden administration continues to leave the southern border wide open as their voter drive continues. Last month, they further handcuffed Border Patrol by expanding the list of sensitive places where immigration officers cannot make arrests. See, it used to be places like churches, hospitals, and schools, but now it includes homeless shelters, anywhere disaster or emergency relief is being provided, any places where children gather, including playgrounds, child care centers, and school bus stops. Oh, and speaking of the border, the Biden administration, they're paying the contractors not to build the wall. You know, the one Trump talked about incessantly. Yep, the materials are just sitting in piles waiting to be erected, but Biden says no. He would rather flood the country with illegals so the Democrats can grant them amnesty and voting rights at some point in the future. See, they need to replace all the legal citizen voters who have fled the Democratic Party as they have gone full-fledged totalitarian. Meanwhile, we find out during the month that Biden is having a security fence built around his Delaware beach house at taxpayers' expense, of course. So I guess walls do work. File this one under, don't you dare criticize your leaders. A U.S. Marine Corps judge has docked Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller $5,000 in pay and ordered a letter of reprimand against the combat veteran for his criticisms of how senior military officials handled the debacle withdrawal from Afghanistan. A so-called whistleblower recently came forward to out her employer, Facebook, for its destructive influence over its users. This story dominated the news cycle for the better part of a week. There's only one problem with the media coverage of this situation. It's a big con job aimed at giving the totalitarians who currently run the national government more power to silence dissent. 
check out episode 169 for a deep dive into that topic. During the month, we found out that China tested a couple of hypersonic missiles. Do you think they would have done that shit if Trump was still in office? You know, since they sense that Biden is out to lunch and diminished mentally and quite frankly a lamb when it comes to standing up to bullies. Speaking of Chinese aggression and Biden's diminished mental state, he came out during the month and during another disastrous CNN town hall proclaimed that the U.S. is committed to defending Taiwan if China attacks. The White House walked it back immediately. Poor Biden. He didn't get the memo issued by his administration that projecting strength against geopolitical foes is frowned upon. Speaking of Biden's town hall, well, it was, shall we say, another pathetic and quite frankly sad appearance. He struggled mightily and had several awkward and creepy moments, including having no short-term plan to lower gas prices, refusing to defend a monument to President Thomas Jefferson, saying he did not have enough time to visit the southern border, you know, because he is busy with other things. And he backed mass firing of police and first responders if they don't get the coronavirus vaccine. On several occasions, moderator Anderson Cooper gently steered Biden back to the subject at hand as the president started rambling. At one point, Biden stood awkwardly with his elbows bent, arms straight out, with his fists clenched, almost as if he was holding onto a podium. Some weird shit. The city of Chicago held a parade for the world champs Chicago Sky during the month. In case you are wondering, that's the WNBA franchise in that city. In case you're wondering what the WNBA is, that's the Women's National Basketball Association. Anyway, the city of Chicago held a parade for the champs, and no one showed up. Yet the hollow cries over wage disparities between the men's and women's leagues continues to rain down from the left. In one of the more amusing stories of the month, Chance of Let's Go Brandon, the euphemism for F. Joe Biden, has been resonating all over the country, from sporting events to concerts. It's so popular, or maybe better put, Joe Biden is so unpopular that at one point during the month, the top three rap songs on the iTunes chart were all titled Let's Go Brandon. You can draw your own conclusion about what that means in the long run. Liberals expressed their concern over the vulgarity implied by the chant. These are the same people who were amused by the likes of Robert De Niro, Samantha Bee, and Kathy Griffin when they, and many others, repeatedly said F Trump in public forums and award shows, called Melania Trump the C-word on TV, and held up a bloody decapitated head of Trump. Oh, and don't forget the critically acclaimed Broadway play, or at least I think it was on Broadway, which depicted the assassination of Trump. Very classy, guys. The left doesn't even pretend to have credibility anymore. And finally... If you have found my often-used rhetoric in calling the National Democrats totalitarians over the top, what else could you possibly conclude after hearing not only about the vaccine mandate, but their move to grant the IRS the ability to see your bank accounts? Just two pieces of information, as the dementia-in-chief Biden said at a pressing, just the inflows and outflows of your bank accounts. You know, so the rich pay their fair share. How many tenets of the Constitution does that concept violate? Due process, for sure. Property rights? How about the natural right of privacy? The Fourth Amendment is pretty clear on shit like this. The right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects. 
against unreasonable search and seizures shall not be violated, and no warrant shall issue but upon probable cause. What's the probable cause here, Biden and Democrats? Why do you need to look in my bank account? How about the fact that the IRS is an unconstitutional agency to begin with? And yet these people make a proposal like that and don't even bat an eye. They are power-thirsty totalitarians. Thankfully, we have Senator Joe Manchin to the rescue again. He came out against the scheme proposed by his party, killing the chances of it getting passed in the Senate. And that is the truth about October 2021. Please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. 